It is your destination for all the football talk you need. It's called More Football. Welcome once again. I'm your host, Adnan Burke, alongside Vox Lombardi and Richard Johnson. It's great to have you with us. we got lots of great stuff coming up. We'll discuss the best games to look forward to this week. And in addition to that, Tua Tungavailoa gets a shot with the Dolphins. Just one question. Why now? But we're going to begin with the Dallas Cowboys. And you're thinking to yourself, really? I mean, the Cowboys stink. They're two and four. The whole division's awful. But the reason why we're talking about them is not just for Vox. It's because there's a mutiny in the bounty. That's right. Anonymous player comments coming out, ripping the coaching staff. And in the past, you've heard players maybe grumble about coaches and say, okay, we don't agree. We're not on the same page. Not treating us the right way. No, they're basically calling them idiots. They're, they're calling them ignorant, that they're not teaching them anything. Mike McCarthy in his first season coming in, he's got 125 regular season wins. He's won a Super Bowl back in 2010 with the Packers. Vach, your reaction to the fact anonymous player comments coming out and burying McCarthy and the coaching staff? First of all, sir, whether we win or whether we lose, it's always a good time to talk about the Cowboys. Let's just clear that up right now, <laughs> Disagree. sir. But this this is just what happens when you lose ball games, right? I take it back to your Eagles, Mr. Verk. Uh, last year, okay, we're losing, and Carson Wentz is soft, and Alshon's the guy that's talking about him, and we just want to get Doug Peterson up out of here. It's never a good thing when you lose. But when you win games, all that talk just goes away all of a sudden, and I'm not – you know, happy that this is coming out necessarily. But, you know, if we're in a situation where we're not going to win games anywhere, and if you want Mike McCarthy gone, that might be what you got to do. You know what I mean? But I think it's way too soon to be talking about these kinds of things. Now, I also had another thought, right? If this was a leader on my defense, then maybe it's a bigger problem. But, like, what if it's a practice squad dude that doesn't like his job and he doesn't like his particular kicking coach or whoever it may be, right? Well, then who cares about what he has to say, right? Because it's going to be very anonymous. We don't know exactly who it is. So it may be someone that we don't really care to listen to. Um, but the best way to fix it is to win. And I don't think the Cowboys are going to do much of that. So if we got to fire Mike Nolan to, you know, ease the pain, I mean, do what you got to do i mean we've all watched this defense watch i know you have do they look like they've been taught do they look like they know how to adjust during a game from week to week you know just because the 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 comments are anonymous doesn't mean they're unfounded doesn't mean they're not true i think the problem here is uh first and foremost when you do this thing anonymously now mike mccarthy doesn't actually have to interface with the comments he just has to interface with the process of how they delivered you've already seen his defense was already you're supposed to come and talk to me about it and all that kind of stuff Whatever. The other thing is, you know, Adnan, you talked about 120 wins a Super Bowl. That was a decade ago. What have you done for me lately? That's what the NFL is. And we all know how it frayed and how it came apart with Aaron Rodgers at the end of Mike McCarthy's tenure in Green Bay. We know that the, the serious problems that Aaron had with Mike McCarthy, you know, everybody knows that Aaron can, can at times be uh, not exactly the easiest person to work with. But again, the criticism of Mike McCarthy was true then. And it looks like it's still true now about a lack of development, uh, a lack of sort of schematic ingenuity, and et cetera, et cetera. They're two and four with all that talent. They're two and four, I get without Dak. But, you know, we've all sat here and said at some point in time, the Cowboys talent has to win out. And it is not. It could just be me, but I just don't have this high tolerance for crybaby players. Player execution is a real life thing. And you can say that this scheme is this or they're not teaching that, but cover three has been cover three since I played in high school. Uh, tackling <laughs> is the same. Contain has not changed for years. So if these players can fix their problems, then maybe the coaching wouldn't be the issue. Zeke fumbling twice, there's nothing you could do about that as a coach. So players should be better and not just cry to the media about it. 
So that's the big answer here, guys. What is the fix? Like Jane Slater, by the way, great job reporting the story. But Richard, what's the answer going to be? Is it Nolan loses his job because McCarthy's not going anywhere anytime soon? Like this midseason firings of coaches is sort of like a pound of flesh for the fan base. You know, it doesn't often always change things or make things precipitously better or worse. Um, you know, it's hard to retool an entire defensive scheme midseason. Uh, maybe if you you have a bye week, you can maybe change some things. You know, a lot of people talk about how teams look uh, different coming out of the bye week. It's hard to change a scheme. It's hard to retool a scheme. You know, I, I don't want to say it is what it is, but with all the injuries with this Cowboys defense as well, I mean, we know they got problems and their offense is struggling to play complimentary football at all right now without Dak. So when healthy, right? And this is how I look at it. When healthy, this offense is fantastic. Now, why is that? Because we got a lot of talent invested in it. We got first-round picks all over the offense, the running back, two wide receivers, uh, right guard tackle. Sure. But when you look at defense, the only first-round pick on that defense is Leighton Vanderish, and there's a bunch of old men surrounding him. And besides that, it's some fifth-round picks sprinkled in there, some third-round guys. So I don't think the Cowboys have really invested that much talent into defense. So the best way to fix it is to give Mike Nolan some talent. And I'm very patient with coaches. But if I look around there, I'm, I'm like, where are the studs? If I'm coaching defense for the Rams, I can at least wake up every morning and say, I got Aaron Donald, I got Jalen Ramsey over there. The Cowboys ain't got nice. the Cowboys don't have any of those guys, so it just is what it is. Quit crying. It's what it is. Let's move on and talk with the Miami Dolphins right now. And Tua Tungvaluwa gets his chance in the sun. That's right, two for two for nine yards. And now the Dolphins coming out and saying, you know what? The time is now. It's Tua time. He has taken over. And – Listen, we all knew Tungavailoa was drafted that high because he's going to be the star quarterback, hopefully the star quarterback. He's definitely going to be the lead quarterback. But Ryan Fitzpatrick, I mean, Richard, we got Fitzmagic here. Like, what did he do wrong here? The Dolphins are like a 500 team. Like, I'm just curious about the timing on this. Why now make two of the starters? I mean, it, it definitely seems like this was always the plan, right? You get to the bye week and then you take the 10 days or the two weeks or what have you to sort of phase to an in. Uh, you know what he likes, et cetera, et cetera. You have built the house around him, so to speak. You know, I don't think either of us think Ryan Fitzpatrick is gangbusters, right? Fitzpatrick is playing very well this season, but what do we know about him? Eventually, he will regress to the mean, right? So if I'm the Dolphins, you know, what does nine and seven uh, and, and a wild card round exit do for me, right? Like that doesn't do anything for me as far as the long-term future. Like it's a fun ride for a couple months. But if we've got the future on our roster already, why are we saving that? We might as well put him in now. It looks like we've got a team around him that's decent enough. Let's let him learn. Let's let him grow. It's clear that Brian Flores and, and the front office have a long-ish term plan here. So they are playing a long-ish term game. And if that's the case, yeah, let's bring Tua in. And, and I also want to point out, Tua had a great moment uh, in that first game that he played against the Jets at the end there. Now, we know, you know he didn't score a ton of points in that game, but he led a nice little drive at the end. And then at the end of the game, he was, he was seen on the field after the game FaceTiming his parents. And I think, you know, there's a lot of it's professional football. They're adults, et cetera, et cetera. But like, there is some some kid in there with Tua, and and it was cool to see. And and with all of his health issues over the last year, et cetera, we hope that he stays healthy and he plays well now that he's the now that he's the guy in Miami. Let's be honest, man. This only is a thing because your head coach has job security. If his job was on the line, I need the dude that's been winning ball games for me to keep playing. But I think there's a handful of things that's you know going on here. Fitzpatrick hasn't been terrible, and 
he's a veteran. So if anything were to happen to Tua, if Tua just wasn't ready for the lights, you can easily just put him back in. Something else too, they're not going to win a Super Bowl this year. So there's this thing to where, hey, let's just see what we have in this guy. Tua may be ready right now because Joe Burrow's definitely ready right now. It seems that Justin Herbert is ready right now. So let's kind of get this process going. I would rather sit Tua to the end of the season, but like you said, Rich, maybe they have a plan. I think something else that's very interesting here is I think it's a good move to where you can try to build culture with wins because you're not necessarily worried about your draft pick because the Houston Texans are over there being so bad, okay? And you got their pick. The Texans are helping you out. Absolutely. So you can build this culture and win as many games as you want and not worry about your draft pick because the good old Texans seems like they're going to put you in top 10 position anyway. So how good is it to build this culture where you can win ball games, get your quarterback and your team used to that, but still get one of those premium guys? I hate hating on Texas fans. I'm, I'm lying. I love hating on Texas fans. But listen, <laughs> you can't beat that situation. So if I'm Brian, uh, Brian uh, Flores, I, let, let's, let's boogie. Let's try to win games with my young guys. Well, speaking about culture, we're all about hip-hop culture here on More Football. Continuing the recent theme, of rappers and their teams. Uh, Vaj, can you tell us how Rick Ross, yes, I'm the biggest boss that you've seen thus far. How does he pronounce the new Dolphins quarterback's name? He actually says it in this voice, Tua Tangla Violia. He says it just like that. Just like that. <laughs> to zone. More live football than anyone else. Stream exclusive Premier League and UEFA Champions League. Stream every NFL game, including the Super Bowl. Plus, exclusive Red Zone. Showing you every touchdown, every Sunday. DAZN. Start your free trial at DAZN.com and stream on multiple devices. More live football than anyone else. D-A-Z-N. DAZN. And now it's time for the game that is sweeping all of North America. It's called Tankathon. That's right. The New York Jets are currently the leader right now. The last remaining winless team. And I got to tell you guys, I got a tough time seeing anybody knock off the Jets and winning this race. They are the last remaining winless team. They're an absolutely abysmal team. And people are calling for Adam Gase's firing. No, no, no. You want to win Tankathon. Keep him there. Let him call all the plays and things will work out for you. You know, previously, Richard, we thought, okay, the Giants would be in the mix, the Washington football team. But by virtue of the fact they're going to play each other in that miserable division, you know, wins are going to be there at some point. So right now, Atlanta bounces back after an 0-5 start. They're fired their head coach and general manager. Nice win for Matt Ryan, Julio Jones. I feel like the Jets, I mean, listen, put some money down here to win Tankathon. They're your odds-on favorite, Rich. Yeah, I, I think the Jets honestly may go 0-16, right? We're not talking about bad. We're talking about legitimately, actually terrible. 0-16, 1-15, 2-14, terrible. The Jets are squarely there. Uh, you know, the Giants, Washington, one. Of, I think one of those teams will be sort of the, the silt that, that sort of falls to the bottom, I guess, of the league, as opposed to the cream that rises to the top. Uh, so, I, you know, you take one of those teams to be there. I don't think Atlanta's still going to be there as far as two and 14 teams. I think Atlanta will win their way out of that sort of band of teams. Um, my dearly beloved Jacksonville Jaguars, um, a little less unclear. I, I think they are, are in that mix again to be a top two, three or four pick. Right. And again, like the, the calculus here isn't necessarily who's going to be the worst team in the league, right? It's who's going to be the worst team in the league. And who's going to need a quarterback, right, Vach? 
Yes, sir. Um, you know, when when you look at the Jets, and first of all, let me just give Jets fans props because it's such a tactical observation to keep Gates and keep winning. I never thought of it at first because I was just, hey, let's fire this dude because he's bad. No, let's hold on to him. It's 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 it's, it's just such a such a fresh idea. I didn't even think of it. But anyway, um, Trevor Lawrence is the clear number one guy, and it seems like the Jets are the clear number one team. So the question that I'm going to ask you back is what do we do with Sam Darnold now? Because Sam isn't necessarily terrible. Is it like a situation where you want to get some trade compensation back to continue to build that team to help Trev when he gets here? Um, or do you go by my rule, what I like to say when I'm talking draft, do you build the house first? And I don't want to bring Trevor Lawrence, this Lamborghini, into this 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 mess, you know? So I would rather take that young man, that young star that could be your next Peyton Manning, that could be your next Tom Brady, and sit him down and let Sam Darnold continue to just bathe in all this filth, right? And then get him some offensive line help to go along with with uh with uh Beckton there. Get some get some help on defense, get him somebody to throw to. You just let go of Le'Veon Bell. Let's get a running back in there, right? So if Trevor's gonna be the guy, let's build the team and Sam Darnold could just be your bridge guy. Rich, what you think? about that because there's a lot of you know things that's going on in this top five you want your Jets to sell their soul to get up in that pick to go get Trevor Lawrence you know what I mean so like what are you forecasting here hey first of all we got to put some respect on Ohio State quarterback Justin Fields' name I know he hasn't played yet this season but starting Saturday y'all gonna learn it's one and one a as far as top quarterbacks and the draft Justin Fields can ball a little bit too uh if I'm the Jets right and I'm Joe Douglas and I don't necessarily have my stamp on this team uh, yeah, right. Somehow getting rid of Le'Veon Bell is me putting my stamp on the team. And we'll get to that on a different day. But anyway, mm -hmm. if I'm Joe Douglas and I want to put the stamp on my team and I like Sam Darnold enough, right? And Vach, you and I think you can win games with Sam Darnold legitimately in this league. I think he showed you some stuff. And the Jaguars come and say, hey, you know, we're at pick four, maybe. You want to come down to pick four? You want another first round pick? Uh, that, that's what, and I've said this on the show before, the Jaguars acquiring all this picks gives them two options. It gives them to, the option to trade up if they're bad, but not bad enough, a la the Bears and Mitch Trubisky, or obviously it gives you the option if you like Gardner Minshew for the Jaguars uh, to, you know, stock the team with talent similar to the Jets and, and sort of what I'm getting at here. If I'm the Jets I, and I like Sam Darnold, I sort of think, Man, maybe a bird in the hand is, is better than two in the bush, right? Maybe maybe I need to uh, acquire all these picks and 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 just stock some talent around Sam Darnold. As far as like the Jaguars are concerned, which you know we we sort of think is the other team that I think is is obviously going to be up at the top of the draft board. Jags have serious problems. I don't necessarily think that Gardner Minshew is a a long term answer above replacement level. I think Gardner Minshew is similar to the Ryan Fitzpatrick sort of situation. Uh, you've got a quarterback who I think you know can win you games, who doesn't necessarily beat you, right? But you can definitely upgrade that position. Uh, and, and having a good backup quarterback is not the worst thing in the world for, for a lot of teams. We've seen, you know, the, the uh, Adnan's Eagles won the Super Bowl with a good backup quarterback, right? It's a good problem to have. So it, there's a lot of intrigue. But when we talk about Washington and New York and the New York Giants, I'm so interested in which team, you know, the the 
the tough sort of thing there where, you know, you've got some familiarity in division. We saw how close Washington got on Sunday to winning that game. We know uh, how Ron Rivera coaches his team. So like Ron Rivera is out here playing for wins, which you're supposed to do, Vach. Neither of us, you know, want to tank and like losing. But Washington's out here trying to win, right? Uh, actively and doing some risky things to win and potentially, you know, mortgaging the future to, to win a couple games now. Well, in real life, you know, if you have the opportunity to get the first overall pick, get that dude, man. Trevor Lawrence is that guy. And I can only imagine what that King's ransom would look like because if you want to trade up all these pieces to get a guy like Jared Goff, imagine what you can get back to go get a guy like Trevor Lawrence, you know? And Trevor Lawrence may not be, you know, he he's probably not the option for everybody. You know, somebody's going to end up in that Fields Lance race. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens with these teams like the Giants or the Falcons or the Vikings that are up in that top, uh, top, you know, top five, six or seven picks, but they have quarterbacks already that could fall down. Adnan, I would love for you to make your point, but as an Eagles fan, if you guys, cause you're not going to, because you're not going to win, you're not going to win many games. If you guys Correct. end up in a situation like that, do you push Carson Wentz out of the driver's seat and go get a guy like, like, uh, Lance, maybe? What do you think? Listen, listen, Carson Wentz with, with Fulgham as his number one wide receiver put up 28 <laughs> points against the Ravens, all right? If that doesn't prove to you that Carson Wentz is a good quarterback, that's all I need to say. That That is, he has zero weapons around him. I mean, their offensive line is still in shambles. We all know that. Deshaun Jackson, one of these days, is going to be healthy in return. I mean, they've got no receivers. Zach Ertz is now hurt. I don't think quarterback is the issue. So, no, if the Eagles, they wouldn't get the number one pick to your answer, Vodge, but if they did, I would just trade it and get a ton of weapons. But I want to throw it back to you about Sam Darnold and the Jets because I agree with both of you guys. I think Darnold's a good quarterback. I don't think he's a great quarterback, and he's he's yet to get to that level. But I think if the Jets get Trevor Lawrence, you know, you were making the point off air that, you know, keep Darnold around, tutor him a little bit, but I say no way. If you draft Lawrence, you start him right away. It's a win-now mentality. You've got too many other holes, too many other weaknesses. you get got to deal Darnold to shore up that spot. Why do you think if you were the Jets and you did draft Trevor Lawrence, you wouldn't be in a rush to trade Sam Darnold right away? Because I don't want my brand new quarterback to be dry, my, my, my brand new Ferrari to drive on bumpy roads and mess up my tires and all this good stuff. Why would I want that? You know, I'm, I'm just so big on building the house first and that offensive line is not great there. Like if I don't want Trevor Lawrence to have to be in Carson Wentz's shoes where he's throwing to practice squad guys just to, you know, just to, just to win two games a year. We don't want that. So what we want is the best Trevor Lawrence we can get. When you have good quarterbacks, the league is good. And the last thing you want, is for Trevor Lawrence to be a bust. That's bad for everybody. That's bad for marketing. That's bad for your team. That's bad for the league. So sit that sit that dude down till you're ready. Get him some help. Um, they drafted some guys this year. You know, Denzel Mims is probably going to be a guy next year, but let's get some other guys that he could throw to. I'm just not, you know, I'm not for rushing guys out just like Tua Tangla Violia. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to but, Rick Ross. But, uh, but, but Vach, you know, the Bengals are doing that right now with Joe Burrow. I mean, and they Joe got him Burrow behind a dying mash unit. <laughs> right. They got him behind a mash unit offensive line. You know, the Bengals yeah. decided to do it. They're going for it. But how terrible would it be if something happened to Joe Burrow? Now we all sick. Now we all hurt, you know? And now you have Andy Dalton. Facts. Wow. I do like Richard pointing at Justin Fields, though, because, listen, I remember it was all tank for two, a tank for two. Oh, wait, hang on a second. Here's Joe Burrow. Okay, Joe Burrow is actually the consensus number one pick, so do not sleep on Justin Fields. Big Ten football coming soon this weekend. All right, now time for our Looney Tunes segment. That's right. That's it. That's all. Sponsored by Porky Pig and Friends. The Minnesota Vikings, bring out your dead. I'm not dead yet. Yeah, you are. Watch, the Minnesota Vikings, 
I thought they would win the North. I'm laughing as I say that because I'm an idiot. Because how could I believe that this would actually happen, that they had these weapons, that they would be the better team, and the Packers and the Bears are both going to bury them. And the line's even better than the Vikings. Isn't it time to put some dirt on the Vikings, RIP? I tell you, man, it's weird when I can watch a team and know that they're bad, but I don't really know why they're bad. They are probably the most talented bad team I've ever seen. I would think that my Cowboys would be their team, but all my guys are hurt, so I got a way out of this. But the Minnesota Vikings, me and Rich thought they were just going to be this top-tier team. You know, we Of course, we didn't feel great about Kirk Cousins, but hey, you know, we got Dalvin Cook. We got a defense. We feel kind of good about Mike Zimmer, I would guess, and, you know, Justin Jefferson stepping on up being fantastic over there feeling is stealing so what's the big issue here i mean it could be a synergy problem i don't know i asked some of my vikings friends and now they want to push zimmer off the ledge they want to get kirk cousins out of there i understand getting kirk cousins out of there but you just love zimmer last week now me as a cowboys fan hey mike zimmer if you need a job to come coach some defense we'll take you my guy and pay you good money come on back to dallas like you used to you know but i just really don't have a good idea about what's going on with the vikings they're a bad team as of now and I didn't want to bury him this early, but the one reason I have to is because the Bears are on fire and the Green Bay Packers are a good team. So not only do you have to somewhat be better, but go on this long streak to get wins, but you got to be better than those two guys. And I think the head starts pretty bad. Rich? Yeah, the, the problem is the teams you have to jump, right? Uh, so, I mean, you're four games behind the Bears right now. And I know we know the Bears are, uh, how the Bears are doing this boggles the mind, but the Bears are still 5-1. and one. We know that the Packers are the class of this division anyway, despite what they showed on Sunday against the Buccaneers and the Lions. Now, I know the Lions sort of chewed up and spat out my Jaguars on Sunday, but at some point in time, the Lions are going to be able to retain a double-digit lead against a good team, one would think. So, you know, you may, you, you're fighting for scraps in the NFC North against the Lions at the bottom of the, the, the division here. It's just not a good position to have to dig yourself out of, right? You want to be sort of when you're a team like this you want to be sort of uh playing from a position of strength in the division right out in the lead with your nose in front you've got the talent to sort of keep you there and you also have some some leeway to figure it out but the vikings have no leeway to figure it out it's got to be right now you have got to start winning yesterday and Kirk Cousins, for the first time in his career, throws three interceptions in the first half against the Falcons. Like, Richard, remember when Cousins was good? And he was obviously overpaid. You go, okay, he's just obviously, uh, you know, benefiting by circumstance, getting franchised, already top ten quarterback. Now you go, no, seriously, this is insane how much he's getting paid compared to the production you're getting from him. You thought, okay, just hand the ball off, make a couple passes. He can't even do that. Yeah, I mean, this right, this guy's been in the playoffs. You, you've had some fairly deep playoff run playoff runs with this guy you think that Kirk Cousins okay he's not you know the complete upper crust of the league as far as quarterbacks but watch he is an above average quarterback who you can win games with but it just seems like he's regressed so hard this year I actually miss beating them up over in the NFC East back in the day. So I wish Kirk Cousins would just come back. The 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 big the big issue with Kirk Cousins is that his contract was like fully guaranteed for like $84 million, something like that. So they really can't get out of that for like two years or so. But we were talking earlier about bridging quarterbacks. And if Kirk Cousins is going to lead you to the top five in draft, then get your quarterback, sit him behind good old, good old Kirk Cousins. When Cousins' money runs out, you got a quarterback that's been groomed 
by Kirk Cousins. I don't know how much you want your quarterback to be groomed by that guy. But, <laughs> you know, but he gets to sit down and, you know, whatever quarterback you have, let's say it's like Trey Lance or something, you know, wherever they end up. Then Trey Lance gets to step in and he has a Justin Jefferson and an Adam Thielen and a Dalvin Cook behind him. So um, if Kirk's not getting the job done, maybe one of these young guys will. Yeah, the most notable thing Kirk Cousins has done this year is making comments about COVID-19 before the season even began. Hey, Kirk, put up or shut up. Keep the mouth shut. Get some plan done. Because right now, Minnesota, we're burying them. They're done. RIP. Meet you at the crossroads. All right, week seven of the NFL season, folks. And honestly, DAZN has you covered. Go to Red Zone. And honestly, they've got every single game. Seven hours of uninterrupted football. It's the absolute best for football fans like all of us. Let's talk some games right now, the beginning with Pittsburgh and Tennessee. And how about this stat when it comes to the Titans? First team in NFL history, a 350-plus yard passer and a 200-plus-yard rusher in the same game. Watch, this is two 5-0 teams. Something's got to give here. Who do you like, Steelers or Titans? So the Tennessee Titans are on absolute fire right now. And going into the season, I was like, hey, man, I don't know. And then by week two or three, I was like, yeah, okay, but they're not looking great. They're absolutely looking great right now. So we have another scenario. We, we're, we're in this little hot seat with you fans and Vach Lombardi. If you guys can beat these Pittsburgh Steelers, I will say nice things about your team. Now, last week, okay, we saw the Browns try to step up and be better than what their record really was, and they didn't rise to the occasion. So if you're the Tennessee Titans, okay, and, and you're going to go out there and be great, and Derrick Henry's going to be fantastic, and Tannehill, it's saying, how bad was Gase, right? Because Tannehill is just looking great. He's he's on fire, <laughs> right? Right? Uh, Vrabel is looking like one of those top-tier young coaches, you know. Maybe one day we'll bring that segment back and talk about him a little bit more, but the Pittsburgh Steelers, man, they are probably, and I don't want to say this irresponsibly because I know how fans can get, but they mm. might be the best football team in the league right now. And I know you're saying, but Vach, what about the Chiefs? What about the Chiefs? The Chiefs have Pat Mahomes, and that within itself is a cheat code. But if you think about the Pittsburgh Steelers, they're looking good on offense, and they're looking amazing on defense. So this is a huge, huge test for the Tennessee Titans, and if you guys can win, I will say nice things about you, but I'm going Pittsburgh. Yeah, I think what Vach is sort of getting at is the fact that I think the, the Steelers look like more of a finished product than the Chiefs do right now. The Chiefs are still figuring it out. They will figure it out. They will. Um, but they're still probing, right? The, the Chiefs are sort of winning games in a little bit of a different way, which we saw against Buffalo on Monday uh, Monday evening, I guess. Uh, but, you know, we know what the Steelers are going to do, right? The Steelers playing Route 1 football. And the Titans are, too. And I think with the Titans, it's sort of this like unstoppable force and movable object sort of thing, especially when you've got Derrick Henry running over linebackers and making them look like school children. Uh, I cannot wait for this game. I think the Titans, you know, if you if you're truly ready for prime time, this is the game you have to show it right for this season. I think everybody, uh, you know, discounted the fact that they could sort of make lightning strike twice in a sense. Uh, you know, we saw what they did last season. They came on strong, particularly at the end. They You win a game in the playoffs against the the, the Ravens, who we thought were more talented and better than you. Uh, and and then you, you pay Henry, you pay Tannehill, and everybody says, well, what the heck should you just do? But then you come into this season, and this is a credit to Mike Vrabel, like Fodge said. Come into this season, and it looks like you're – you kept going. The wheels have kept turning. Now, the Taylor Luan injury is going to be tough, but, you know, Pittsburgh has some injuries as well. But Dupree, uh, one of their talented pass rushers. So, you know, both teams are coming in with some injuries to some key players, but it's going to be a really fun matchup. Like, this is like a football guy, football game, right, Vach? Yes, sir. Absolutely. 
Well, Vach, you were talking earlier about great coaches on the age of 45, Rabel in the conversation, but for me, it's Sean McVay. He and the Rams take on the Chicago Bears, and it's well known the Rams have lots of talent, but, but Jared Goff can be unnerved at times. He's facing a Bears defense that has played surprisingly well this season. They made the decision, Rich, to bench Trubisky and go with Nick Foles. I'm with you. I'm as surprised as anyone that they're 5-1, and one. and I'll be watching this game with interest because kind of like when the Bills were 4-0, I'm like, okay, let me see something here. No, no, they lost the Titans, lost the Chiefs. Big test now for the Bears. Can you beat the Rams? Can they go to 6-1? and one? I'm as surprised as anyone Chicago's played this well. Yeah, the Bears are playing really, really good defense. To credit to them. Uh, they're, they're playing similar to the year that they went 12-4 and four just a couple of years ago. The defense will carry us. The quarterback will not lose us the game. Nick Foles has not lost them the game yet. You know, it came close against the Panthers. The Panthers had some chances to sort of get back in that game, potentially win that game. Weren't able to do it. Much credit to the Bears again, just like on the Thursday night game against the Bucs. The Bears looked like they, you know, they'd never seen a football field for the first half. And then they come back and they turn it on and they win the game. The Bears are doing what they need to win the game. But this is another ready for primetime game uh, for Chicago against the Rams team that, you know, we know how talented they are. We know how good they are and we know how well coached they are. So for the Bears, all right, this is a put up or shut up time. I'm still not ready to say good things about the Bears. I have no clue how they've won as many games that they've won. I mean, sure, there's defense, but boy, Nick Foles is, is still Nick Foles, and the offense seems to kind of stall a little bit. But I think in, in terms of my interest, I think this is more about the Rams, right? Last week I was watching the Rams and Niners game, and I was like, man, like I thought the Rams were going to be incredible. But the more I thought about it, the teams that the Rams really beat up on are the teams in the worst division of football, and that's my that's my East, right? That's my Cowboys, you know? That's my, that's my Giants-Eagles, you know? So I'm like, are the Rams only just beating up on good teams and they're just selling us this false bill of goods? So I think this is a big test for them. If the Rams can go out there and be good-looking Rams versus that Bears defense, then that should be a good little test for them. Nick Foles is going to do Nick Foles things, but he may just be good enough to pull it off again. Um, I don't want to pick a winner, but, you know, y'all kind of hold me accountable for things like this. So uh, let's go for the Bears and Nick Foles and them. If you can be – look, because – at the end of the day, the Bears have the GOAT, and they beat up on Tom Brady and them. They've been winning. The so let's see if the GOAT can pull one off against the old Rams there. I can tell. Foster I'm taking the Rams that in that place. game. I'm taking the Rams just to put that on the record. Okay, it's on the record. And Goff does have the dynamic duo, Robert Woods and Cooper Cup, but uh, – Watch definitely doesn't feel comfortable on himself right now. Uh, New England and San Francisco. The Patriots, this is the importance of practice, Allen Iverson style. Patriots hadn't practiced, and so far they're a sub-500 team. I mean, Watch, this just goes to show when people think he can just ball on Sundays. I'm like, no, this is what happens to Bill Belichick when all of a sudden he can't scheme, he can't practice, team's not looking good. And against a 49ers team that can lose the Eagles but look good against the Rams, they're very Jekyll and Hyde. What do you think of the Patriots? Do they get back to 500 this weekend? Well, the Patriots absolutely—they absolutely looked a bit rusty there. So, uh, but you know, that's Bill Belichick. And one thing I don't want to do is bet against that dude. If anybody can fix anything, if anybody can adjust to a to a midseason problem, it's going to be a guy like Bill Belichick. Meanwhile, I'm watching the 49ers, and they seem to kind of almost want to say that they want to get things going, and they're on their fifth running back, but the train keeps going even with their fifth running back. Just everybody looks good in that system. So, uh, Belichick is 
he's known for taking away your best player. But if you look at that 49ers offense, who's the best player? <laughs> you know what I mean? There's no stud on that offense. So you just kind of got to take away everybody. Maybe it's a guy like Debo Samuel where you take him out of the game. But then there are other Yak guys on that team that look just like him. So it's definitely going to be a chess match. You know, it's, it's not one of those big, you know, high marquee games or whatnot. But I think the offense versus Belichick's defense, I think that's going to be a fun chess match to watch. But I'm not betting against Bill. I'm going Patriots. You know, we said coming into the season that this is what Bill Belichick wanted, right? He wanted to be able to sort of control the game, control the clock. He gets a run game with Cam Newton, a QB run game. They get to do some creative stuff on offense, does Josh McDaniels. But they get to play sort of roll the clock back ball. And it ain't going to look like 2007 uh, with the Patriots this season. And so far it happened. It hasn't. They lost that game, what was it, 18 to 12? You know, what kind of football score is that, particularly in 2020? <laughs> uh, you know, so they're going to get in dogfights this year. And when you get in dogfights, when, when you kind of play that, that low margin for error game, sometimes stuff like what happened on Sunday happened uh, to New England. And look, Vach has it nail on the head. It's Bill Belichick. They're going to be okay. They're going to adjust. And they're going to figure out how to be the best version of themselves later in this season. Uh, San Francisco, um, we'll see if if sort of, you know, they're, they're kind of doing a little Island of Misfit Toys thing there on the offense. And credit to Kyle Shanahan for being able to put it together. But again, like Vach said, this is a defense that isn't going to let you do what you want to do. So does San Francisco have enough to adjust and sort of counter the counter that New England's going to throw to them? Don't think so. Patriots. Island of Misfit Toys. I like that. And the last thing we're going to discuss, our producer Amit really wanted to get this in here. Tampa Bay and Oakland, the John Gruden Bowl. Of course, Gruden won a Super Bowl with the Bucs, beating his former team. He's actually coached seven years of the Raiders, seven years of the Buccaneers, now taking on Tom Brady and company. Richard, how do you break this one down? The John Gruden Bowl. <laughs> Gruden Bowl. Uh, look, the Bucs defense is playing lights out, hair on fire right now. Uh, and I like that, right? Uh, now, I don't think the Bucks defense is going to get two, uh, two touchdowns again. That's sort of hard to prognosticate. But, you know, the Bucks defense is letting that offense sort of gel and figure it out. The offense is getting healthier. Tom is getting more comfortable. Uh, but that offense still has a ways to go. It helps that the defense right now with sort of some really good young pieces on the back end, especially, uh, is playing up to par, particularly when you lose Vita Vea, who is such a force up front. So I like the Bucs in this game. I, I think the Bucs will probably win. Uh, and I'm excited to see the Bucs continue to sort of put it together. I have come on this show and I've said mean things about both of these teams, but this show is for the fans. So let's kind of give them some analysis here, right? Um, I think it's going to come down to consistency, right? Both of these teams have looked good. Sometimes they look pretty bad sometimes, like I thought they were going to be bad. But it's 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 who's going to be consistent, who's, whose game plan is going to work best, um, you know, who's, who's going to show up and play four quarters, you know? Uh, so, I mean, if I had to pick a team, I would say – you know, go with Tom Brady, man. You can't really bet against – I like Tom Brady over Derek Carr if I had to pick somebody. Um, but like you said, though, Rich, losing Vita Vea I thought was going to be huge. But it seems like they've kind of rallied together and just, you know, they're playing top top defense. And if anything, if you're Tom Brady and you're being an inconsistent old man Tom Brady, you need that defense to be great to give you the ball more, to give you favorable field position, things like that. So it just seems like Tampa Bay is the more complete team as of now. That could change later, but as of now – they're more complete, so I'm going to go Bucks. 
All right, once again, check out all those games on DAZN, Red Zone, seven hours of uninterrupted football. It's the absolute best way to enjoy Week 7. And speaking of Pittsburgh and Tennessee, Chase Claypool has had an outstanding start to his career. Catch him on the Rookie Diaries with me on DAZN interviews as he progresses through this NFL season. And, of course, when it comes to your fantasy football advice, no one better Steven Sohoyos and Wesley Chang. The lineup has you covered. Honestly, as Vaught said, this show is for the fans. That's all the sizzle that you need.